Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 This is episode 35 of the Break 80 podcast, and we started off season two last week with an absolute banger. If you haven't gotten the chance to hear last week's episode with Tron Carter of No Laying Up, make sure that you do so. That would be episode 34. Before we get into it here, for the Minnesotans out there, the doldrums of winter, a new facility out in Egan is opening as we speak called 24 Golf. This place has seven UHD simulator bays. 900 square foot putting and chipping green with putt view, which we'll talk about lessons with a team of PGA teaching professionals, exclusive discounts and quality food and drink from Mason Jar Kitchen and Bar, weekly skills challenges, long drive competitions and tournaments. It's open 24 hours a day with personal access that goes along with your membership. Use the code BREAK80 if you're one of the first 24 founding members, 40% off and a truly remarkable facility. Um, I've got Mike and Tim here with me. They both have been there. What can you guys add to what you saw? Well, yeah, it's going to be awesome. They have, um, right now, they're in a little bit of a temporary facility, like two doors down. Uh, did they say, Tim, when they're going to go into the big one? It's going to be soon. It, it should be really soon, yeah. It just had to do with some some extra permitting and and one or two things here or there with electrical. But yeah, so I think within like a month or so, they're going to have the putt view in at in the big facility. And what it's going to look like is basically they're going to have those like seven bays on each side. And then in the middle is going to be putt view and, and large enough where you can putt and like chip on it. And, you know, if you haven't, if you don't know what putt view is, go and Google it. I think it'll be the only putt view that's probably accessible to like the public. If you get the membership, uh, I would guess in the Metro. Maybe it's called private clubs to have it, but I think it's probably it. And it looks amazing. So, you know, if you're somebody like me, we're, we're constantly having issues putting. Uh, I think it would be a, a great deal. And like, even in the summer, like, you know, you play around at golf, you putt like shit and you, you can go in there 24 seven, you go in the evening and, and work on something on putt view. So I think it's pretty cool. Yep. And for the listeners that might not be familiar, it's not just helping you to align yourself. Um, or changing the the angle of the green, uh, it's actually incorporates a host of different games. So can play a uh, game through a maze, can go ahead and, and play tic-tac-toe against folks. So a lot of really interactive features uh, that make practicing putting actually bearable for once. Um, in addition, uh, the pricing structure of 24 Golf, very, very affordable. Um, the the cheapest per month package, but most expensive per hour is still only $30 per hour or $120 per month. That's before discounting. So really, really affordable, especially when a lot of a lot of you that listen are, are likely close to a simulator that's charging anywhere from $50 to $70 per, per hour to go play. Uh, so just a 
wonderful facility and um, one of the, the most inexpensive, uh, but not because it's low quality. Um, they're just really taking a focus on on the performance player out there. Yeah, before Jeff talks about your speaking of quality, uh, when I was waiting for Tim to show up, um, I was hitting wedges in there on those on those sims, and they were like to the yard. They were they were spot on for what you know my normal wedges in the summer. So they're really good quality. Well, we have an absolutely loaded episode coming at you this week. I'm joined, as you can tell, by Mike and Tim to navigate the waters of what we're going to be discussing. How's everybody doing tonight? Better good. than TCU, I hope. Yeah, they're getting pumped. Remember that, Bob? There's a for 24 golfers a coupon code, right, Jeff? For yeah, yeah, our, yeah. We said break break 80. Yeah, break yep. 80. I already, I already mentioned that. Yep. Yeah. Speaking I, of uh, speaking of choking, though, as we're watching the uh, <laughs> the Georgia TCU game, or just the Georgia offense, um, I found this online. This wonderful joke. My friend Colin sneezed at dinner and choked to death the other day. I guess he bit off of more than he could uh, chew. Oh, geez, Tim. Put a duck. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into that. The PGA Tour kicked off the 2023 season with um, one of their quote-unquote designated tournaments. Um, the Century Tournament champions in um, Kapalua, Hawaii. So we'll make sure to talk a little pro golf. We'll also uh, preview the Sony, which is another tournament held out in Hawaii. Um, we'll also do our pick segment there. That tournament is Honolulu. Um, but I think it only has what half the purse of the century, so probably not as uh, century glamorous. was, ele- century was elevated for some reason. Which elevated? We'll get into. We'll I get don't into get. That. Um, and then we're honored to have an interview with um, Frankie Sappin, uh, the third, an extremely talented youngin who will be making his debut in the Corn Ferry Tour very soon. I'll make sure to give you a bit of background on him, as I truly believe he's going to be a name to know in golf. Um, so the pod this week is jam packed. Before we dive into golf, I know golf is the focus. It is NFL season. It's the NFL playoffs. And I want to know from your guys' perspective, from your guys' thoughts and opinions, the playoffs are set. Who is your NFC winner, AFC winner, and Super Bowl champion? Start with you, Tim. You cannot pick the Packers. I I realize that. Do you know how hard that is? (laughs) That was great last night. They're not available to pick at all this year. Uh, here's here's what I want to see. I, I just I want to see the Vikings get to the Super Bowl and then lose tragically. I'm going to cheer for you guys. I am. You have my full support. I uh, I don't really care who else makes it all the way there. I just want to see a nice close game with an eventual Viking defeat, as they seem to win every other game where there was a one score or less difference. Um, if we could just turn those tides a little bit for them. They have no like chance break in Minneapolis. So well. <laughs> they have no chance of getting there, Tim. <laughs> All right, Mike, who's your picks? Oh, well, for the listeners, I have not missed a Vikings game as long as I can remember. I don't know, 15, 20 years. I can't really remember the last time I didn't watch a game, although I wouldn't even call that bullshit with the Bears a game the other day when they're rotating quarterbacks and just trying to lose for the first pick. But, um, so my heart says the Vikes. I just don't think the offensive line is a huge issue. O'Neal being hurt. Actually, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was all about playing the Giants first round. I'm like, yeah, that's great. We're going to beat the Giants at home. And then O'Neal is out. And Bradbury, who knows? He's, he, he might be dead. I don't know what happened to him. But they're actually, that's their strength of their team is the defensive line. 
So they worry me a lot. I think we can beat them still. They worry me a lot, but I don't see anybody in the NFC. I just don't see anybody beating San Francisco. You know, even with a Thurston card, they're so physical. They can run it. They got their their entire offense is like a Swiss Army knife. They got a bunch of guys that can play different positions. Brock Purdy doesn't have to throw it deep. He can just get it to guys in space, and 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 they're not, they're the number one defense in the league. I just don't see anybody beating San Francisco in the in the NFC. I wish the Vikes would. I would I would maybe maybe give like I don't even know what what is more important to the golf swing, a pinky or a pinky toe. I would give something for the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. I really I, I honestly would a hundred percent would. But uh, I just, I just the Vikes have too many issues to 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 win a bunch of games in a row here. I think anyway. For the listeners, uh, Mike was wears there, was there a AFC lot of sandals. Fan? You wear a lot of sandals to give up a pinky toe. I do wear the Birkenstocks all summer long. What's your AFC pick? Well, the AFC's tough. The AFC's stacked. You know, the NFC's got some shitty teams like Seahawks, and I know Tampa Bay's got Tom Brady, but they suck. They might beat Dallas, but. Um, you know, God, I hate to pick against the Chiefs. I hate something inside me says the Bills are gonna really rally, you know, with uh with their guy that got, you know, damn near died. He's a lot he's doing well now, thankfully. I think he got released from the hospital today, I saw. Um But I'm gonna ride the hot hand. I'm gonna ride Cincinnati. They've won like seven in a row, eight in a row. Uh, they would have to go to Kansas City and win, which shocker they've done before last year. And and Joe Burrow owns the Chiefs if they end up playing. They've won like a bunch of games in a row. So I'm gonna go Cincy out of the AFC. I'm not sure if this is if this is gonna happen, but I would like to see it happen. Joe Cool. Yep, that's that was my actually my pick. I'm a big Burrow guy. Love me some Joe Burrow. So I'm also going Cincinnati out of the AFC. I'm gonna go um actually little upset city. I think the Eagles are a team that is the one team that can beat the uh, Niners out of the NFC. So I'll go Eagles. Um, Bengals, and I'll pick the Bengals to win. Riding Joe Burrow. All right, let's get to golf. Uh, Century Tournament of Champions at um, Kapalua. A lot to unpack here in terms of the dramatic back nine collapse of the young Colin Morikawa. It went from a Morikawa, you know, the player that did not make a bogey through 67 holes to all of a sudden making three consecutive bogeys. Nobody in the field had done that. What an achievement um, to, to do that turnaround. Um, that's why golf's such a fascinating sport, though. This was an absolutely mental thing for him. If you had the Vegas odds of him making three bogeys down the stretch in a row, they would be astronomically low. Um, but I know this is going to be a lot about Morikawa, but you also got to give a, a shout-out to John Ron, the dude shot 10 under 63. That will probably go under the radar, but it probably shouldn't. So your guys' thoughts on what unfolded yesterday. As usually golf is comes down to a Sunday, not much going Thursday through Saturday. Um, what's your uh, thoughts? I don't know if golf has uh, seen a choke this big since the first annual Break 80 Ryder Cup. And the and the, <laughs> and, and, and the rally at the and the rally at the ridge by the Metro Squad. Um yeah, I don't know. It was bad. It was hard. It's actually one of those. It's like it wasn't a major, you know, but I I, 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 I picked it up and watched the last, you know, four or five holes over there. And it kind of reminded me like a real slow burn of like Jean Vandeveld or something like 
he started out, what was it, hole 13, the par five, where everybody in the field's birdieing. Everybody. And he, thirteen. His first bogey was the uh, was the short par four that he drove it into the bunker. Yep. And then he, but then that par five, where he yep. he Bogeyed got away with a tee shot, he pulled it left. It wasn't all the way left. You know, you couldn't. It's almost impossible to miss those fairways. It seems like. Uh, and then he went right on the approach, chunked the chip for the second day in a row. He chunked the chip. Uh, he did. He did one on Saturday too, and made bogey when I believe the. I, I thought I saw that the entire field birdie basically, or almost everybody birdied that hole, and he made a bogey. Yeah, Rom went uh, driver eight iron and eagled it. Yeah, I mean, like the whole field was it, it was a par, it was a par four, and he made a six. That was to me the big. That was when you know when you knew full meltdown was it was in play there. Yeah. So un- unfortunate. Um, Tim, any takeaways? Just. Uh... Much like our El Campeon match, just a generational ball striker, uh, unable to to really get a short game going there at the end. Um, that Bermuda, it holds up the club for those that, that haven't had the opportunity to really get south and either play in Hawaii or, you know, play in, in Florida. You really got to get that edge through the, the Bermuda or else you're, you're duffing chips and coming up short. Um, also, it just catches the ball. It just it stops it on the fringe or right in the fairway. There's not much rollout on that. So Colin, I've, I've been there. I, I feel for you. Um, I'd be doing the same thing if they were offering me $2.7 million for winning. And the putting woes showed up again, all of a sudden he had putted fine, you know, all tournament. And then he, he had a bunch of like makeable par putts that he couldn't make. And just, it was all the bad things that could happen happened. I mean, it's that moment where your heart just kind of speeds up. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation. I, I remember being in the final round of the Monticello or final group of the Monticello Club Championship. And then something where my ball hit the tree, went backwards. All of a sudden, when I felt in control, I felt out of control and I could not get back in. And it felt like, it, you know, a guy that had not made a single bogey for 67 holes to make three in a row. There's just something uh, mental there that he couldn't get over the hurdle on. So. Nothing says elevated event like the Monticello Club. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, the one take I have, you know, the golf was, was the golf and it's, it's fun to watch lots. You know, the golf course is very aesthetically pleasing. You've got lots of green. You've got the green turf, the mountain backgrounds. You've got the ocean views. You've got the elevation changes, the, the, the rolling um, fairways that the balls can, you know, go forever. It's got it all when it comes to that. But when it comes to, like, individual holes, I just – the course just blends together for me. Other, outside of, you know, uh, what is it, 18? I, like, I remember that hole. That hole's very – you know, Bubba Watson hit the driver off the deck there. And there's been a lot of cool shots on that one. But I just feel like 1 through 17, I can't even – most courses I can actually pick, oh, this hole on there. This I don't really – there's not really anything that – when I'm watching the tournament, oh, that's hole 12, that's hole eight, you know, eight. It just doesn't, it just kind of gels together for me um, from that aspect of it. To me, the only defining hole, I don't even remember what number it is because I, I, they do blend together, is the one where you can rock the driver down the hill like 400 and like 50 yards. They're all just killing it uh, down the hill. But yeah, I, I have two problems with the golf course. One, it's, it's, it's a resort course. Bill Core on Twitter was, you know, Core and Crenshaw did it, and they were taking a lot, a lot of heat, or the golf course was for the low scores. And actually, they got a little bit of wind there. You know, normally it's like even it's even it's been lower in the past. 
And Bill Cora finally went on Twitter and said, listen, we did not build this golf course ever with the intention of any professional golfers ever playing a tournament here. It's a resort golf course. So that's step one. My other, my other gripe is more with the PGA tour. Why the fuck is this an elevated event? It's the tournament of champions. It's already all the best players. Why? I, I don't get it. Like, I thought the whole purpose of having these rotating elevated events was to like get people to show up to the John Deere, you know, which is just, which is the shittiest tournament of the year. Tim's backyard or or the three M, you know, our own tournament, which, which needs a better field. It really does. In all honesty, I thought that was the whole point of the elevated events. Like I know Rory, Rory skipped this one, which means he, he can't skip any others. They can only skip one elevated event, which is actually great for some of those other events because he's going to have to go to them now. But why would, Unless players were talking about skipping this one, I don't. I don't understand why you would elevate an already limited field with all the best players. Basically, it doesn't make sense to me. But whatever. Yeah. Also, uh, hole eleven, one of the prettiest holes in the PGA, has uh, it's a, it's a short, short par three overlooking the ocean in the bay. Um, yeah. Very, very fun very to nice. play. So I mean, the golf course be fun to play. But what I'm saying is something that not has nothing to do with the views, like just the course. You know what I mean? Yeah, like not, something nothing, like not. there's no trees, there's no rough, there's no, you know, the bunkering's pretty, you know, bunkery. It's just I don't like it, from the actual like not not the background, nothing like that. Like that's obviously beautiful. I'm just talking about like the turf, like the place that you're actually hitting the the golf shots. You're talking about the whole design versus the yeah the geographic location. Well, I mean, throw out Pebble Beach then, because that's not well. Yeah, not but Pebble Beach. Course. Yeah, but Pebble Beach has. Like like holes actually on the water, like where you can actually hit it in the water. I don't see like I don't see any like there's there's no water that comes into play. There's no like it's just no, a get, big field of green. Somewhere else in in Maui to to really get that, but there was. But uh, those, go ahead, Tim. I was going to say for those listeners that do want to play it, and and Maui, unfortunately, as we go to um, uh, over to Honolulu and to Oahu for this next tournament. Uh, there are no top 100 courses that are public on that island, but on Maui, there is. Um, there are some on Big Island as well. Um, and you can actually play Plantation Course for the low, low cost of $459, and you do not have to stay. How many examples do we have of American golf being <laughs> bullshit on this podcast? Because $459 to play Kapalua. Come on. That's just ridiculous. They you probably play, make you walk it too. You can awesome. probably play if you figured it out properly. You if you were in Scotland, you could probably play the old course, Carnoustie, and North Berwick. Three of the top like 30 in the world for damn near the same price if you did some twilight rates and stuff. I, I and the flight to... would probably be just as cheap anyway if flying to Hawaii. It it is, yeah. I did come to this realization, though. I think American golf does a good job with their captive audience because the U.S. is so much larger than Great Britain. We have seasons and we have seasonal rotation of people traveling for golf. So golf can be affordable if you go during all the worst times of the year. Uh, But Hawaii has a very captive audience in January and they're going to absolutely capitalize on that captive audience. The other thing is that $459 crazy did you see the crazy shots justin thomas hit one in the pro-am with no laying up guys and tom hoagie hit one from deep in the in that in the weeds onto the green on whatever hole that was that was crazy two of the best like recovery slash shots from the shit you'll ever see in golf at the same golf course 
Well, let's stay in Hawaii. Sony opens this week. Uh, this week. We're going to get to our big segment. We're going to have Mike kind of talk about that. It's at YLI Country Club in Honolulu. I believe it's Seth Rayner design, is it not? Yeah, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Our boy, Seth yeah, Rayner. We love Seth. Tom Dokery did most of the golf course, but okay. it's a little tighter set. off the tee, I think. Yeah. Got more know. trees, got more problems. So, is, uh, All right, Mike, take over. Is there, is there a bunch of Seth Rayners in Hawaii? Like, why would you go all the way to Hawaii if you didn't do a few? I don't know. There's got to be a few there, more. There are. Yeah, there's a couple Rayners in Hawaii. So, uh, while I's par 70, it's short. It's seven thousand, basically 7,000 yards. It's like 7,044. Um, so we decided this year for picks, you know, last year we did just, you know, who won, pick a winner, who won the week. Yours truly is your, uh, defending champion. This, I just racked up trophies in uh, season one of the, of the podcast, golfing and picking, <laughs> but, um, we decided to go a little bit more intense with the picks this year. So we're going to do uh, like probably a rotating every week. We'll do something maybe a little different this week for the Sony, our first picks of the year. We're going to, we're just going to keep it simple with, a, with five different hundred, you know, imaginary hundred dollar bets using uh, odds from you know, Vegas and various places. So here's what we got. We're each going to pick a winner. We're each going to pick a top 10. We're each going to pick a top 20. And then I got two matchups head to head that we will will do at the end. And basically, um, I will keep a tally this year on a spreadsheet. You know where we're at with our with our money for our picks. So you could win if you pick somebody to win it with big odds. When your hundred dollar bet, you could be way ahead, or you could be lose all five and be negative five hundred right off the bat to start the year. So that's kind of how it's going to go. Um, so our first one is winner hundred bucks. Imaginary, imaginary hundred dollars. Uh, Jeff, who are you picking to win? Um, well, I got this guy at plus four thousand, so Ooh. I mean, he's not like a favorite, so let's just put it that way. Um, we're gonna take Siwoo shaking that ass. Um, of course, sets up nicely for him, needs to avoid the really bad round. I think he's kind of a really bad round guy that throws him off every time, you know, where he doesn't. He's kind of a guy that seems to me like if he doesn't. If he's not locked in early in the week, he just kind of gives up. So I want him to stay with it. Hopefully he has a good Thursday round. Um, very talented. He's won some big events. So I'm not really worried about him if he can just stay in the thick of it and not have that bad round. But, uh, yeah, he likes to randomly pop up here and there. Hopefully uh, he's having a few Mai Tais and enjoying his time on Hawaii wow. and gets a dub. We're going we're going deep, deep down the list right off the bat. Tim, who you got? Well, first off, I want to mention, Mike, for you, that there's another Rainer out there, Mid-Pacific Country Club. Uh, both it and Walaila uh, were put together as a part of an uh, attempt to get more travelers down to Hawaii. So both were associated with a, a large hotel group in the area. So fun fact for you there. You can go may play have to make, May have to make a Hawaii trip. I could probably talk to Lady into that one. This sounded a lot better. And just so you know, there's a, a place called La... Mariana, which is the oldest tiki bar from 1957 in the area. Ooh. So, blended drinks and uh, and Seth Rayner. Um, my pick to get back on topic. I figured last couple winners, especially Na, have been pretty prolific putters. Um, so I'm picking someone that can really roll the rock, and uh, someone that's already kind of down in the area, so doesn't have to deal with the time change. Uh, but going with Maverick McNeely to win plus 3,500. He, uh, That'd be his first W, wouldn't it? 
He it would be. I'll, I'll talk no, about him one. a little. I'll talk about him a little one. bit. I got. I have him in this pick segment. He has not won. He's got. He's he's good though. So, all right. So he's still dating Daniel Kang. Just side note: Is he still dating her? Or are they broken up? I think so. They're okay. probably out of shadow all the time. Tim and I didn't see him at Shadow Creek, but okay. I don't know. So Maverick Community is plus thirty three hundred, and according to the the numbers we're using, you know, on on Monday night. All right, so you guys are going a little deeper than me. I am going to go with, uh, I guess my guy is the favorite of the three. Our friends to the north up in Canada love him, Mr. Corey Connors. Uh, here's my logic. Wiley is uh, short, and it's one of the narrower golf courses. Tree line's got a bunch of bunkers. It basically, you could think of it like Colonial or Harbor Town. You know, it's one of those kind of golf courses. Corey Connors is a great iron player, great off the tee. Strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach. He's like top 20 on tour. In the last three years, he's been top 12 in this tournament. Every single year, he's up there. Five of the last six winners played last week at the Century. They're, they're in they're in Hawaii. They're acclimated. Um, his problem is he's a horrible fucking putter. Terrible. By PGA Tour centers, he's terrible. But he has never lost strokes game to the field in this one tournament. He's always putted well here. And actually, two of his best three putting tournaments in his entire career in the PGA Tour are at Wildlife Country Club. So he's got good vibes. I'm going with Corey Connors to uh, get his, like, whatever, be his second win or something. All right. Top 10 finish. Jeff. Um, Ozzy's play well here. Uh, you know, Cam Smith is one here. Um, Leishman has played well here. I know they both went live. I think it's Cam Davis's turn to make a run. So I got Cam Davis, 15 to four odds, top 10 finish. There you go. Tim? Well, I keep uh, reliving our time at the 3M and the wonderful people that we met there. Uh, also seeing how much time we got on for plays first try at a, um, at a golf tournament. Uh, but picking one of our favorites from that group uh, and going with Sam Ryder. Well, what were the odds on that one for top 10? That's got to be good odds there if he top 10s it. Uh, uh, okay. Look those uh, back up. Yeah, it's okay. we don't need to go over them. But I am going to go with Tim's pick to win to top 10, Maverick McNeely. Um, I just think he's super talented player. He, and Tim's right, his putting stats are really good. He's his total. I think strokes gain total was like six last year. You know, it's hard to tell in these early season events. He played well in the fall, um, but I think he's super talented. And I, much like I called Cam Young last year, I think this might be my guy this year. I think this is the year of Maverick McNeely where he kind of puts it all together and starts to really play well. He, he's had a shitload of top 20s and top 10s. He just hasn't won yet. He could win this week. He's really good. Um, so I'm going to go Maverick Manila top to top 10. How about a top 20 or Jeff? Um, I'm picking a guy that I'm, this is kind of, I don't feel like this is a reach. It just seems like it with his, how he's been playing or played, but uh, great, highly successful collegiate golfer off to a very slow start uh, professionally, but I think he's going to turn the corner this year and make a run. This is Justin Suh at 19 to four odds. Yeah, pretty good odds. Tim. We're down in, in Honolulu. You just got to, you know, keep things kind of unbuttoned, keep them relaxed, kind of the aloha spirit. 
Uh, going to go with uh, a player that definitely embodies that with uh, Harry Higgs. <laughs> a guy. He loves Spring Hill, Harry Put Higgs. Put the sunscreen on the chest, buddy. Yeah, Put the sunscreen on. Oh, yeah. Higgs, he had a rough year last year. I, I hope he bounces he back. Did. He's one of those guys that the PGA Tour needs. He's got. He's a great character guy. He's, he's good to have around. I hope he has a good year. All right. I'm going to go with a guy. I really, I still don't know exactly how to pronounce his name. Uh, we're going to go with uh, Christian Bezadenhut. Uh <laughs> I think that's right. I don't even know. Mainly because he was T17 last year. And I do think, uh, much like Maverick McNeely, I don't know if he's talented. I think this is a year where uh, you'll see he played in the President's Cup. He's a good player where he could have a little bit of a breakout and it's the kind of course that he's good at. And I think like Jeff picked Cam Davis and, and I, and see, I think these Hawaii events tend to be like, they have a little bit of an international feel to them more than some of the American courses. So we'll go with Christian uh, Bazaden Hoot, I think is, is the right way to pronounce it. I'm not even sure. All right. We got two head to head matchups here. We got the first one is Gary Woodland plus one Oh six versus jt post in minus one i think it's 127 so all you got to do is get the right one who finishes higher jeff what do you got uh i'm i'm going post man he's just shown a lot more form form than gary woodland has over like what year and a half i haven't seen much from gary so we're going jt the postman tim it's hard to argue with the the winner of probably the most (laughs) prestigious the most prestigious tournament of the year and winning the john deere classic uh last season so have to have to back up the postman as well all right i love that you i love that you guys picked the postman because this is where i'm gonna start this is where i make my money because i'm gonna go with gary although he did equipment change you see that he switched equipment he is yeah, he's tim's, not, he's not, yeah tim's cobra clubs now isn't he yeah um but last year jt poston got uh t42nd gary woodland T seven, one of his better finishes of the year was that was that Wildlife. He likes this golf course. It's short. He can just rip the two iron. As we all know, he's world class two iron player. Get it in play. Uh, so I'm going to go with Woodland here. Okay, our, and our last of the picks is a head to head. It's uh, Corey Connors minus one thirty two versus Tom Hoagie from Fargo, who uh, last week again he had a great year last year. Kept it going. Where did he finish? He was he was like third. third. D third, yeah. So Tom Hoagie's has been ripping it up. Jeff, who do you got? Um, I'm going against the grain here. I know you guys are, you know, Hail Canada kind of guys. Uh, I'm going to go the American from the Dakotas. Uh, Tom Hoagie finished, played well. I'm just going to go up here like I know he's playing well. So, I mean, there's a lot of this first events for a lot of people to watch. And um, I just, I don't know, I, I've saw, I saw something that I needed to see, and I'm going Hoagie. And I hope you guys go Connors. Tim? Why? Well, I- Hail Canada? No, 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 no. We got to go with the boy from North Dakota. I did. Jeff, I guess we're not going to have much dissidence in our, our picks together. But uh, long season. He, look, he looks yeah. he looks so strong uh, during during century. So it's it's hard not to cheer for someone that's right next door. And if you're ever in Fargo, it feels like everyone knows who he is. You you meet people and and they say that they either go to church with the family or they're in close contact with them. So. He's just a hometown hero uh, from right across the border. So you gotta gotta cheer for him. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Uh, you know, I guess since I picked Corey Connors to win, yeah, you already picked him. I, I mean, kind of yeah, yeah, Corey Connors. Yeah. And I think here's the deal. Here's where you guys fucked up. 
Tom Hoagie, I love Tom Hoagie. He's from Fargo. He's kind of one of us, played a lot of Minnesota Junior Golf. He flew all the way to L.A. to watch this game, which, by the way, the score in the fourth quarter is 59-7, to Georgia. <laughs> 59, Georgia. Tom Hoagie's alma mater, 7. So he's going to be flying back, all jet-lagged, disappointed. This is not going to end well for Tom Hoagie versus Corey Connors when Corey Connors wins this whole goddamn tournament. So... I'm taking my guy, Corey Cars. Yeah, by the way, 59 to 59 to 7. We're talking bets here. If you took TCU in the points, which was like 12 or 14, you still got just train wrecked. I'm that is our bet segment Tom. for uh, that is our week one of bets. I didn't feel the need to do a century picks because like nobody was in the field. I'm, I'm assuming Tom is not flying on Spirit Airlines. And for <laughs> those of you that may have accidentally done so, do not do so with golf clubs. It cost me $140 for my golf clubs one way. <laughs> did, you see a couple, did you see uh, a couple weeks ago there was a flight to Hawaii that hit turbulence and people were like flying in the air and shit? It was it was on a flight. <laughs> I'm assuming it was that's a, not going to be Tom. Probably yes, not. I'm sure like net jets or something, but you, you know, I, I'm just saying jet lag is a real thing, guys. Well, let's let's close this podcast out the right way. Um we're gonna get to our Frankie's uh sapping interview. I want to point out a couple things before we do that. First of all. He was an absolute treat to chat with um, on camera and off. True gentleman who happens to be an absolute stick. He's probably, I would say that he probably played some of the best golf on the planet in October and November. I mean, and I'm not even exaggerating with what he pulled off at um, qualifying school. Let this sink in. This was posted by Monday Q um, on Twitter. You guys, if you're golf fans, you probably know who he is. He said that in all 15 Q school rounds, he was a combined 60 under par, average of 67.4 on those rounds. And in all of them, he only lost to a total of nine players. Nine. That's insane. Um, and I honestly believe he's going to probably give a good run of that top 25 finisher in the corner for you this year, hopefully putting himself in a great position to get his tour card. Dude is talented. Um, he obviously needs to go play well and, and, and consistently um, show it. But I think, as you'll see from this interview, he's got the mental makeup to do it, as well as the physical gifts and tools. Um, it's a great interview. He's got a lot going on. I, I hope you guys enjoy this because I think it's a name that uh, you're going to know on the big stage uh, pretty soon here in golf. We are honored to chat with Minnesota native and now 2023 Corn Ferry Tour member Frankie Sappin. Frankie, thanks for joining us. And does it feel a bit surreal to be, you know, hear your name as being introduced as a professional golfer? It does a little bit. It definitely does. No, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, but it's 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 funny you say that because I'm always used to being you know junior golfer, amateur golfer. Um, but to finally check that box and and be a professional is it's a neat it's been a neat opportunity and we've we've surely taken advantage of it so far. Um, but still, it still is a little weird kind of when people ask me what I do um, for a living and I say I'm, I'm a professional golfer. It, it is kind of odd, but definitely a place that I like to be. Well, we're going to talk a lot about golf, but I got to do one thing here. I um... Before we get to that, I see you're a big Vikings fan, and like mo most Minnesotans, and after Sunday's performance against the Packers, I just want to know where your confidence is as we go into the final week of the season. I think we're kind of sitting at a three seed now. Yeah, it's it's looking like we might stay at three. Um, I like that it looks like we'd be playing the Giants at home, which we obviously just beat them last week. Um, but I think it's all a matter of keeping our guys healthy. Um we got we had some injuries on the offensive line this past week. You know our center. I think we're down to our third string center right now. Um, but I think if we get some guys healthy and we just really got to protect Kirk. Um, 
if we protect him and allow him to kind of do what he's been doing best this year, which is kind of spreading the ball around, hitting hitting Jetty a lot, and and I love the addition of of Hawkinson. Um, I, I truly think he's probably been a huge factor in winning us two three games, um, even since we since we signed him mid season. Um, but I think we're definitely going to need some breaks to go our way. But the one thing about the Vikings is the Vikings is they can lose to any team, but they can also beat any team going into Buffalo and beating them on the road um, just goes to show that we, we can compete with, with any team, um, any team out there. So I, I wouldn't say my confidence is super high, but <laughs> as a Vikings fan, you know, we're, we're always hopeful. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see, but like I said, I, we've proved that we can beat any team. So you never know what can happen in the playoffs. Um, but hopefully we can maybe turn around some primetime Kirk and, and get some magic going. It's always a classic. You, you hope for the best, which you always expect the worst when it comes to Vikings. But you're right. You just got to get to the you got to get to the playoffs. And then once you get there, anything can happen. I mean, they're grown men. They're all, you know, they all lift weights, work out play football every day for a living so anything can really happen it's just a matter of getting there so i agree with yep. you on that well i want to start in the golf realm um you you wrote this blog post a, a little while back i think when you're at alabama and it was very interesting because you talked about how you grew up and how it was um sort of unique uh to most kids especially minnesota kids uh you mentioned that your family kind of started to bounce back from arizona and then you know, in the winter months and, and obviously because of the weather and then come back up to, to Minnesota in the summers and kind of a thing. How old when you started to do that were you? Um, and what was that experience like? Uh, I was, I would say I was probably two or three when we, when we started doing it. Um, so I was fairly young. I don't really remember staying in Minnesota year round other than one time we tried it when I was in sixth grade. Um, and as you can imagine, how the golfer didn't work. It didn't work. Right at one well. time, I love it. Yeah, one time yeah. Um, So I've just kind of always been used to it, and we've been blessed as a family to be to be fortunate enough to to be able to do that. And you know, both my parents grew up in Minnesota. My mom grew up in Granite Falls, and my dad grew up in, in uh, White Bear Lake, uh, just north of the the Twin Cities there. Um, and he had a he had a business that he was able to grow and sell back in. Um, Gosh, I couldn't even tell you the year, but I know it was early 2000s. I think it was like 2002, something like that, 2002. Mm -hmm. um, so ever since then, he still does his thing. He still works and um, is busy doing doing stuff. But it, it kind of allowed us to have the opportunity to to do something different as a family. And both of them growing up in Minnesota, they're they're used to the, the cold Minnesota winters. Um, and I think what happened is they were on a trip here. Like a, my dad was on a business trip here and, and brought – my mom and it was i think december january and it was 70 and sunny here and you know zero degrees and two and a half three feet of snow on the ground in minnesota and my mom looked at him and said what are we like what are we doing is if there's any way like would we be able to come here for the winters and my dad said like you don't have to twist my arm um <laughs> so then awesome. ever ever since then we've kind of always just gone back and forth we've I tried this academy in, in Texas in, in Fort Worth. Um, so I actually lived in Texas for six months. Um, but it just, we always felt like Arizona was, was kind of our, our second home. Um, Minnesota will always be our, our main, main spot and our main home. Um, but yeah, we were just lucky enough to, to have the opportunity um, to, to kind of go back and forth. And ever since we started doing it, it was hard not to just keep doing it, especially once I, you know, 
started picking up clubs and, and playing. Um, it's just what I fell in love with this and, and football. Um, and yeah, ever since those days, we just have always done it and always been blessed to, to be able to do it and um, stay in some warmer weather and, and enjoy the climate, be outside, hang out as a family. Well, good for you guys pulling the trigger on that. That's awesome. So one of the things you mentioned because of that, you had the opportunity to continue to always work on your game. You know, one of the disadvantages of being a Minnesota golfer person is you are not, you know, you've got to work indoors. you got to do like unnatural, artificial things and being able to be outside. And you talked about um, your practice habits and how you just enjoy practicing and specifically your short game. I'm actually a high school golf coach, so I'm all ears when I ask you this question. Like what are some yeah. drills that you were doing as a younger player that really got you better? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, one thing for me is as a, as a, a, a young junior um, was just keeping it, keeping it a game, keeping it fun. Um, so I had a coach by, uh, by the name of Craig Warrian. Um, I'm actually going to see him tomorrow. Nice. Um, but he, so he was out at Edinburgh in, um, in I think it's Minneapolis. Um, but he's, he's out at Edinburgh during the summers and then is in Alta Mesa in, in Mesa, Arizona during the winters. And he's just been someone that I think I saw him when I was, I first saw him when I was six. And a lot of people would say, that's a really young age to start seeing a coach. Well, for me, it wasn't necessarily a coach as someone that I could just play chipping games with or putting contests with. Um, and he was someone that he would, you know, maybe give little pointers here or there, but more just ask me questions and, you know, say, Frankie, how would you hit this shot? he would step on my ball in the bunker and say, how, how would you go about hitting this shot? And he would, I would just learn through experiencing different shots with him and having contests. And he would, he would, he would be beating me. And then all of a sudden I would start getting closer and inching closer to beating him in games of 21. And we always played for uh, these little, the mints, the uh, I forget what they're called, like the O mint things. Um, so anytime I would be, be able to beat him he would give me a mint and we'd go over to potting green and do the same thing potting contest for little mints um so he just really kept it fun he wasn't you know showing me anything technical or trying to get too much um into the science side of golf which i know a lot of a lot of people can can fall into um, mainly just trying to keep it fun and and enjoyable to where i just wanted to go hang out with him i didn't really see him as a coach i just wanted to go hang out with him, have chipping contests, putting contests. And it just kind of helped grow the love for the game for me um, to where I never really looked at though. I was at, as, a, as I was practicing, I was just, you know, doing what I love to do. Um, and even to this day, I have little things I'll do here and there. Um, but I just love being out there hitting balls or hitting shots um, in terms of short game practice. Like I have pretty much three things I'll do putting. One is I'll do I'll use an eye line and just make sure my left eye is over the over the ball and I'll just roll some putts and then like I'll use a chalk line just make sure I'm rolling it straight and then I just bought this thing it's like a stencil um, and you can find a, a straight putt or a breaking putt and ju I just snap a chalk line probably six to eight inches long and I just make sure I, I'm starting everything online um, and it's rolling how I want it to roll um, but in terms of putting that's about it and then chipping I don't even do any drills like I'll, I'll grab a club I'll, I'll usually just kind of work through my bag I'll grab a 60 I'll hit pretty basic chips um and then maybe hit some chips out of the rough hit some flop shots hit some bucker shots um and I what I usually like to do is I I'll stay at a spot or kind of an area until I chip in um and if it's an easier chip maybe I'll like chip in three times and then I'll go to the next 
Um, but that's, I don't really have any drills. I don't work on too much, um, short game wise. Um, I'm just out there kind of doing what I love and, and, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I love that you said that. I love that you, the fact that you are trying to keep it fun and it seems like you're trying to keep it, you know, simple. We're not over being over technical. Cause that's kind of when, when people kind of lose their mind when it comes to golf, cause golf is hard, you know, but if you kind of don't think of it as that, you just think of it as, Oh, this will be a challenging up and down for me. This will be fun. This will be fun to try to do. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, you grew up trying to be like Michael Jordan, make the last second shot. You know, maybe you're in this bunker and saying, I got to get up and down to win the US Open or whatever it might be. Kind of just make it a fun game in your head and put yourself in different positions and put pressure. You know, one of the things I hear a lot about is finding ways to put pressure on yourself. So making games or something that you have to try to you know, beat somebody where you get that little bit higher level of, of pressure it makes you a better player as well exactly i couldn't agree more um just putting yourselves in those situations to where when those situations arise you you feel like you've been there before um whether it's to to win the masters to win a pga tour event win a corn fairy event or when you're you know member member or a junior event or no matter what it is if you put yourself in that situation long enough you will believe that this is no different than uh, somewhere I've already been in and a lot of it's just kind of playing mind games with yourself um, and you just got to figure out what what makes you tick and what what brings out the best in in you um, whether it's chipping putting around the greens like I hear so many guys talking about have, having the chipping yips you know I need you to help me with my chipping well your first problem is saying that you you have the chipping yips you just go out there and hit chips and yeah. and maybe just if you just experiment no matter if you're a a scratch golfer or 18 handicap if you go out and hit chips for six hours i'd be surprised if you don't get significantly better it's it's all in who like are you willing to put the time in and experiment with different techniques and just kind of figure it out that's great well you know you you talk about your, your practice and being youth i have three three things that i want to talk to you about when you were um younger player i should say kind of more in your high school years um one of them was when you're back being about 16 years old, it sounds like you were in the Puerto Rico Open, which is a professional golf tournament at 16. Mm -hmm. You know, barely have your license. And you, I mean, yes, you did miss the cup by one shot, but you played with some big boys. I mean, there were some people that were major winners. There were some Ryder Cup participants, President's Cup participants. I mean, that had to be an absolute confidence boost for you as that young, knowing, I, you know what, I can hang with these guys. It, it definitely was. Um... Going into the to the week, um, I was I was definitely super nervous on that on that first tee. Yeah, it, was, yeah. <laughs> I it, imagine. It, it it wasn't even a tough hole. It was like a short par four. I think I hit hybrid off the tee and um, hit a pretty good shot in there. And I had like ten feet for birdie. I was like, "All right, like here we go. <laughs> Let's go. Like we we're gonna roll this in." We won under after one and just keep it going. Um, That's great. I you know I I missed the putt and. Um, but I think we had another good look on the second hole. Um, but yeah, just playing that week, it was a neat opportunity that the AJGA allowed us to, to get the, you know, the winner of the Puerto Rico junior open gets into the, the PGA tour event. Um, and it was just, it was such a neat opportunity for me. Um, I was able to play a couple of practice rounds with Aaron Baddeley, which was awesome. Just meeting oh, nice. him and, and, and picking his brain. Um, and he lives here in, um, in Arizona as well. So I was texting with him last week. I think we're going to play here in the next few days. Um, but just kind of being around those guys, um, 
you know, you, it makes you a little more comfortable. The more, the more you're out there, the more comfortable you are. Um, and that week was definitely, I, I was super nervous, but you know, I've, I've always had a lot of confidence in, in my game and, you know, that week in particular, I didn't, I actually didn't play very well, but I putted insane. Like, I think, I think I, I looked at the stats. I hit 18 greens in 36 holes and I think I shot even. Um, that does not, that does not scream nervous when you're hitting, when you're putting well, cause I feel like putting is like the one area where people can really show nerves and then mm-hmm. off the, off maybe the first couple tees, but that yeah. shows that, yeah, you, you didn't, I mean, I mean, the fact that you were rolling the rock at that age is awesome. I think the one thing that helped is it was an off week PGA tour event. So like the, the WGC event I think was going on that week. Um, so you go home and flip on the golf channel and it's not like they're showing the Puerto Rico open. They're showing the yeah. you know, Rory and DJ and all those guys. So I think that helped a little bit, but even then to a degree, like it was by far the, the biggest tournament I had ever played in up until that point, And probably even now. Um, but you know, just the, the one thing I look back on and really learned from the most was I was really focused on making the cut. Um, and a lot of times, no matter how well you do or how poor you do, you, you tend to find yourself in that situation where if you're focused on the cut, you're going to hover around the cut. You might make it oh, by one, point. you might make it by two, but I truly believe that if I, because my main goal going into that week was, was to make the cut. Um, I thought that would be a tremendous achievement achievement as a 16-year-old, um, and I knew I could easily do it. But I wish I would have said, you know, my goal is to win. And people would look at you and laugh and be like, okay, 16-year-old kid, amateur, junior golfer, there's no way you're going to win. Well, I may not win, but if I'm focused on winning through the first 36 holes, I'm not focused on the cut, and odds are I might I might have, you know, probably made the cut and had a had – a, uh, at least a chance at playing the the weekend. Um, but like I said, it was, it was just a tremendous week. It was a, it was a ton of fun. I made like a 25 footer for birdie on the 36th hole, which I thought was going to put me inside the cut. Um, and then ended up being, yeah, tied for 71st and they take the top 70. Brutal. But Um, you know what, what a learning experience. It was unbelievable. It was so cool being there. It was unbelievable being there, meeting some of those guys, you know, Retief Goosen, I think John Daly was in the field, Luke Donald, Aaron Baddeley. Well, um, big tone, Tony, That was actually Fino. Tony Fino. Yeah, I still tell yeah. people to this day. I, I can't tell them anymore, but I, I, I would always tell them, yeah, I played in the tournament that's Tony Finau's only victory, which he hadn't won anything until about six, seven months ago other than other than that. Yeah. Um, and then I think he won like the Rocket Mortgage and 3M back-to-back. Yeah, yeah, he went, he went nuts last year. Yeah, but up until then, that was the only one he had won. Um, so it was kind of cool to say, you know, I played in his only uh, PGA yeah. Tour victory. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, it was just a neat experience. Happy to be there. Um, it was, yeah, it was definitely pretty cool. Cool. I just that takeaway from that is just like the fact that the, the, your thought processes, what you talked about, like the fact I love that. I've never never really heard many people talk about focusing on cut versus winning. Just just to kind of. Um, and it's, it's crazy. It's almost like, you know, who you hang with is what you end up being. Like if, if you hang around guys that are there to make the cut, then that's kind of what you're, but if you're there to win and you have that mentality, I mean, that's what the best players obviously do. So why not start thinking about that now and, and, exactly. and you know, have and carrying that with you? I'm, I'm really interested to see how things continue to progress from you just because learning, you know, a mindset like that is, is awesome at that young of an age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was something great to learn back then. 
Um, and obviously you, you can set your goal and focus on winning, but only one guy is going to win each week. So odds are it's not going to happen, but if you put yourself there, if you approach it that way, odds are you're, if you like, if you throw the cut completely out of the picture and you're only focused on winning, odds are you're going to find yourself in a better position than if you're focused on the cut. That's um, great. I know there's, there's odd situations and stuff, but that's the one thing I, I took away from it because it's funny how often it's true um, just because throughout the Q school process, every time, every stage we were focused on winning and we either won or were somewhat in the hunt at, at every stage. Whereas a lot of people who were focused on the cut, like some of my friends, even that were talking about, you know, top 40 or top 15 here, they're always, you know, right around that area. Um, so it's just something that I learned and, probably was super impactful for Q school yeah. now that I think about it. I can't, I can't wait to talk to you about that. Um, before we get to that, though, I got to ask you, you shot a legit 59, not like with your buddies in the backyard of your home course that you played 20,000 know, times. You shot a 59 in a state tournament in your senior year. How bananas was that experience? It was unbelievable. It was one of my favorite golf experiences to, to this day. Um, and it was, it was neat because I don't think I, our high school – had won a state golf title in either a really, really long time or ever. I forgot, but it had been a long time. Um, and yeah, it was so cool to have, you know, my teammates there with me. Um, and we had played well in some other tournaments and come close. I think I shot a 61, um, a 62 and a couple 63s and never put it together. Um, until 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 yeah the final round of uh, my, the state championship my senior year so it was it was it was funny because I was actually losing going into the final round I had a tough first round um, and a lot of people were kind of wondering like oh is Frankie not going to win this year yeah. um, and and it was yeah we we started hot we birdied one I think we birdied I'd have to look at the card really I I kind of forgot most of it but. We, we started hot and one of the kids on our team, he was injured. Um, so he, he was able to walk with me for, for some holes and he and I were, were fairly close at the time. Um, and I told him on the fourth or fifth hole, I think we were like three or four under, I think we were on the fifth hole. And I told him, I said, it's it's gonna be a good day. Like <laughs> you can feel. I it. don't know. I I don't know what the what we're gonna shoot, but I have a good feeling the first number is gonna be a five. Um, and awesome. yeah, it was just it was one of those weird things. Like I was almost in a trance for the whole round, but it was, I was very aware of where I was, like in relation to par, mm. but just was like, all right, next hole, we're get another one, next get, hole, another one. get another like, one, just get another one, another one, and. You could look at the course. Yeah, the course was short. I don't know exactly how long it was, but I think there was only one or I think there was only one drivable par four. And I think there was one par five that I had to hit like a three wood into. And then the other ones were like five iron or more. Mm -hmm. um, so you could look at the course. Yeah, it was short. Um, but I, like I said, it was only one drivable, one or two drivable par fours. And um like i still hit i think one or two three woods into a par five so it's not like it was crazy crazy short where you know you're hitting 
driver sandwich into par yeah. fives. Well, you um, still got to hit the shots. And you still got to make the putts. I mean, I don't care how short. Yeah. I mean, even, even you throw a little par three course out there, you still got to make the putts. You still got to hit the shots. I mean, so yeah. that's crazy. That's that's a really fun experience to have. And you said, do you have? Did you put the scorecard in your in your? Uh, you put up in your man cave someday. I do. I have it. Yeah. So I found. Um, I I think I have the the actual card somewhere, but I was going through stuff about a week ago when I was back home for Christmas. Yeah. And I was going through some old boxes, and I found a slip, like the scorecard yeah. slip. Yeah. That I like the one you write, not the other person writes. Yep. And I just kind of threw it to the side, and then was going through stuff, looked and pulled it out. And I looked and I, second. I, as I went over it, I saw a five nine, and I was like, oh. That's where that is. So I put it like in a in a spot in my room. Um, so it was kind of funny. I, I ended up just looking at it last week. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was funny because on fifteen, I eagled fifteen, and I walked up to the next tee, and there was a big wait, really long wait. Like the group in front of us was on the tee, and there was another group that was just leaving the tee. So we were there for probably 15, 20 minutes, and I had just made eagle to get to eleven under. And it was par 70. So I was right. I was there. I was at 59. And I walked off and the the group in front kind of knew what was going on. And one of the kids asked me, which you never do. Uh He asked me, like, what are you? He asked me, what are you at? And I was like, I told him, I said, I'm 11. And he goes, 11 for the tournament or 11 total? And I said, well, I shot even. I'm pretty sure I shot even. I'm about 90% certain I shot even the first round. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said, well, I shot even yesterday. So that would be total and like today and, and total. And he just like looked back and it was, it was so (laughs) funny just to see, just to see the look on their faces um, at that point in time. And uh, I hit my tee shot in the bunker on 16, hit the green, had 20 feet, rolled it up to about two and a half feet. And I was, I I would have been stepping in a kid's line. So I stepped, I stepped over his line and like went to tap it in. I missed it. So I bogeyed 16 and I get up to 17, hit a seven iron par three, hit it back pin. I hit it on the back fringe and I lip out my chip and 18 was a shorter hole. I hit driver and had like a 60 yard shot, but I was in the bunker I had a 60 yard bunker shot. And bunker shot. Yeah, exactly. What you want to shoot 59 is you have to get up and down from 60 yards out of a bunker. Um, so I opened up this nine iron. It made pretty good contact. I hit it like 18 feet, just right below the hole. Um, and yeah, made it like, I, it was unbelievable. Oh, the whole, like all, every high school, everyone, we were the final group. So it, the green was just surrounded with people and cameras and everyone, and everyone knew exactly what it was for. Um, I was just telling myself like, Hey, you put yourself in this situation. Like all you can do is hit the best putt you can. And I remember I saw a video my mom took and I, at that point in time, I used the line to line it up. Yeah. And I lined it up, stepped up, didn't like it, lined it up, stepped oh. up over it, didn't like it. <laughs> I think I did it four or five times until I got it just right. And then I rolled it, hit it exactly how I wanted to. And yeah, I was fortunate to go in. And it was, it was so special. Um, haven't really been close since too. Um, I'm You're sure we'll go it. back. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm sure we'll. You're we'll, saving. We'll save it. You'll, you'll save it for the season. I love. I love it. Um, yeah. The last. The last thing I want to talk a little bit about in terms of your younger, um, growing up days is that you represented the United States in the Junior World Cup in 2017. Um, you know, 
is it the Olympics? No. Is it the Ryder Cup? No. But it's still a special moment for you at that time. Being able to be selected and, and play for your country has to be just another amazing feeling that uh, it's very hard to replicate replic replicate um, in any sort of form. So maybe just, you know, spend a minute just talking about what that whole thing was like for you. Yeah, it was it was really special, like you were saying. Um, so it's like four, four boys, three girls to represent the team, and they have – uh, one coach and a manager and they select the coach by it's either a d1 d2 d3 or naia coach um and we had coach blazer who was unbelievable one of my favorite coaches and like till this day um and he's he uh i think he won like 13 national championships for oklahoma uh, okay. school in oklahoma yeah or so, just something crazy um and he was like the best coach that I could have asked for for the week, because it's not like you're getting to know these guys for um, like a whole season or multiple seasons yeah. like in college or in high school. You like you meet, we, we all meet in LA. We stay there for a night and then we fly out the next morning to Japan. Um, and you got to get all these guys, you know, on the same page, um, got to go through everything. And, and just kind of get us all ready for, for the week. And he just did an unbelievable job of, you know, making us all feel comfortable and, and welcome to, to just play our game and, and just have fun. You know, how often are you going to be able to get to go to Japan and play golf and represent your country? Um, it was just such a neat experience. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was cool. The, the thing I love about Japan is um, it was so like, they take so much pride in their courses and, in just about everything um they had these really cool push carts like motorized push carts which i hadn't nice. really seen any back in the day um and they had these caddies that you had to take for the practice rounds that were unbelievable like they were taking out it looked like little toothpicks and cleaning all of your grooves um and just the whole country of japan they just take so much pride in in everything they do and i think you kind of see that based off you know, the hotel being super nice or just little things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, that that trip was just a wonderful experience. I had been outside the country and played before, but nothing like a like that in a, in a team aspect. And it was cool because I, I went over with one of my good buddies and I, he and I roomed together, Travis Vick, who plays on uh, yeah, Texas, Texas right, right now. He, he just won the national championship last year. And then it was Brandon Mancheno, who played for Auburn, Okay. And yep. then he transferred. He transferred to North Florida and finished out. Okay. Yeah, he transferred and finished out at North Florida, and then Reese Ramsey, who played at Texas A and M. Um, but yeah, we just had a great group of guys and just enjoyed the whole experience. Um, we felt as though we were the we were the best team there, um, based off rankings. But you still got to go out and play, and you got to prove it. Um, and the the thing for me then is I was actually battling a, a hip injury at that point. I would get to the top of my swing and I would say 20 to 40% of the time, my, my left hip would pop and it would just kind of throw me off and it would happen mainly on tee shots, like anything longer than I'd say a three iron. So kind of all my woods, it was like 30% of the time it's going to pop and you just got to deal with it. Um, but I, there's no way I was going to say no to the opportunity and there's no way I was going to let my team down. Um, I wasn't going to do that. And, I just had to go over there, play my best. And we putted lights out for the week and ended up somehow finding a way to win. Um, That's awesome. 
not only as a as a team, um, which was what we were there for, but individually was it was really cool. It was it was really special and and it, it was also kind of a learning experience for me that, you know, you can play if you're hurt. Like you gotta make lemonade out of lemons sometimes. You just gotta figure it out. Um and like I said, there's no way I was gonna let my team down. And we we had put ourselves in a great position. I'm not sure we were after rounds one or two, but after the third round we had a pretty good lead and um, went out, played well, and um, were able to secure the secure the win for for you at for the U.S. Um, That's great. Yeah, I would, but I, I look would, back uh... and I look back and one of the coolest moments was so it was, it's called the Toyota Junior World Cup. It's sponsored by Toyota, and the CEO of like all of Toyota was the one who gave us our gold medals, and um, and then we stood on the podium and they played. Um, the, the national anthem and that was one of the heck yeah the coolest goosebumps. moments that i've yeah it was it was a complete goosebump moment like you almost had a tear in your eye it was just it was neat it was just something that you know you don't really think about like when you think of golf you think of masters us open british open pga yeah. you think of the majors pga tour um i mean some guys might be thinking of liv now but yeah um you know you dream of winning those you know the major events and you don't really think about the Olympics too much or, or anything like that. I mean, the Ryder cup was always elite of, of the elite, but um, to, to be involved in such a neat event and have the opportunity to win the gold medal is just, it's something I'll never forget and always, always cherish that moment. Well, let's just put it this way. Let's hope that's not the last time you put on the, uh, the old red, white, and blue. Exactly. On the line, something else is, is there for you. Well, you yep. started your college career at uh, the Roll Tide, University of Alabama, which is, I mean, you could probably consider one of the most success, successful programs out there. A lot of good players, JT, Trey Mellonax, Davis Riley, who you mentioned is one of your good buddies, Bud Colley. Um, but you ended up transferring out of there to FGC University um, and met up with another talented Minnesota golfer, actually two other talented Minnesota golfers. Just curious to know what led you to the decision to leave Alabama and, and what did you find in, in Florida Gulf Coast that uh, that you were looking for? Yeah, yeah, for sure. My my freshman year, it was unbelievable. You know, you show up on campus, it's University of Alabama. You got, you know, one of my first days there, I went to work out in the evening. I think it was like 10 at night. I was just, I think I had adrenaline for multiple weeks when I first got there and um, just hitting the gym most open time that I had and um I was in there and then all of a sudden I looked and you know Jalen Hurts is working out next to me and the the next night I hear Christian music start to play and I'm like definitely here he walks out of the bathroom while I'm I'm actually throwing footballs into the net in the indoor facility yeah um so it's just when you're around those type of guys um you're just kind of super inspired to you know put in the work and, and do your job um and I was, I just really enjoyed being there and meeting the other athletes, just learning about, you know, I've been working at golf my entire life. Well, this guy's been working at long distance running and is one of the best cross country runners in the world. Um, so it's cool just meeting people like that, learning, learning from them and um, hearing their story. Um, and it was, it was a great experience being there. I, I loved Alabama, but the one thing you and I talked about earlier is golf's an individual sport and you have to, you have to go the best place where you think you're going to succeed. Um, and after being there for a semester, I, I really enjoyed it. I was having a ton of fun. And one of my good buddies, Davis Riley, he ended up turning pro. And I think he's, he's, I think he's right around 50th in the world right now, but had a really good season this past year, just 
just missed out on the FedEx Cup, um, the finals, um, but had a great season. He and I were really close. And we were, like I said, we were ranked, I think, third or fourth in the country um, when he left. And then it was just, it, it, it didn't have anything to do with him because he was, he kept tearing it up. Um, but it just kind of threw off the dynamic of our, our team a little bit um, in the fact that we didn't have much of a, of a leader. And I was a freshman, so I don't think our coach wanted to put me in that position. And um, we had a couple other guys who, who stepped up and did their best, but no one was really playing that great. And it's hard to be the leader of the team when no one's really playing very well. Um, I mean, we're all shooting anywhere from 70 to 74. It's, you're not really going to compete um, with the best team in the country when, when that's going on. Um, so there was just kind of a lot going on. Um, and it, it just turned out to be, and it's not the best fit. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed the school. Um, still talk with the coaches every once in a while. Um, I was just there, I think like after second stage and visited and hung out with some buddies and was at the facilities and, um, still, still enjoy going back and seeing the guys, but, you know, it's kind of a, um, square peg and a round hole and just one of those situations where, golf's an individual sport and I had the opportunity to go elsewhere and, and wanted to take advantage of it and and not try and grind through the last two years of school not really enjoying it I wanted to go somewhere um that you know was kind of kind of new and, and and um yeah just entered the transfer portal and um was lucky enough to find a smaller school in Florida FGCU um through my buddy Van Holmgren. Um, I've known Van since he and I have been seven, um, played a ton of junior golf, but I hadn't seen him at, at, at all really the last couple of years because he was at North Dakota State okay. up in Fargo. Yep, yep. And then he transferred down. I entered the transfer portal and he and I, he actually ended up staying with our family during COVID because he was in, he was stuck in Minnesota and he came down and his brother was a pro at the time. So they, we're kind of crashing at our house for, for a couple months and we were playing golf. And that's when I ended up deciding to, to enter the, enter the portal. And um, yeah, he and I took a visit down. I really enjoyed it. He was kind of telling me about some of the other guys on the team. One of those being Brady Madsen, who's one of my really close buddies now. Um, and it just seemed like a great fit. Um, and I've always wanted to go to Florida, check it out to see if it was a, a spot that I would want to move when I, when I did turn pro. Um, and I, I loved it. It was a great experience for me, a lot different than Alabama. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was fun, you know, not many people have the opportunity to, to kind of live where I've, I've lived and had the opportunities to kind of do what I've done. So it's been nice to kind of take advantage of, um, some of those opportunities and it, it gives you a kind of a greater picture of what you want to do long-term, um, when you're able to kind of have multiple experiences or, just be different places. Yeah, for sure. I, I I agree with that. Um, I I I know Florida Gulf Coast. That's what it's called, right? Florida Gulf Coast University. Correct. Um, it was on the map when we had Dunk City. When that it was back in the NCAA tournament. That's kind of what they're known for. I love watching that squad back in the day. In the yeah. Game. So, well, you have sta- uh, corn fairy status now after playing some unbelievable golf. Um, going from even the pre qualifying to the final um stage of Q School. Do these numbers ring a bell? 65, 63, 64, 66. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been, it was a special journey. Um, it really was. Um, 
all of Q school. It, it's funny because looking back, it's it was last year, but it seems like a whole year in and of itself. I was telling my mom that the other day. It was like it feels so much separate of every other tournament that I've ever played in. Mm-hmm. Um, just with how much we dove into it and with how deep we went, like each week, you're pretty much play, you you are playing for your job, um, and that's the way we approach it. And I gave it a hundred percent every day, everything we could do to get better. Um, and yeah, we're able to, to come third, first, first, eighth, um, and play some pretty incredible golf. Um, but really we just kept it simple. Um, just kind of kept the ball in front of us at, in most cases. And, um, we're able to, my mom and I had a, have a neat relationship. She's, she was on my bag throughout the entire process. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, she's so she actually caddied for me when I was a junior, um, a little bit, and we, I think, she caddied for me two or three times in like a U.S. Kids regional event in Florida when I was eleven and twelve, I think, and we won both times, and then she caddied for me this past last year in the U.S. Open local qualifier, and we made it through, and then she caddied for me in the U.S. Am um the usam qualifier and we won and then she caddied for me when we made sweet 16 at the western am and beat sahith bigala first round of match play um so we've had some success like we we, i've always tended to play well with her on the bag so yeah what, what is it what is it about your mom like what is it that does she bring some sort of like peace that you have does she there's got to be something there that you you know thrive off of whether it's just being comfortable around her or she's got the right words for you you know i know my mom personally would not be good on the bag for me but it just seems like it works for you what is what about her is makes it special i would say peace yeah that's a good way to put it um she, especially when we're on the road, she she's done a phenomenal job of, of taking care of, you know, all the things we can control. She's got them under control, whether it's, you know, getting the yardage book, um, charting the wind, marking the pins, her and I will go over all this stuff. Um, she'll go out when I'm practicing and get all, all the food ready for the week. Um, when I'm, you know, working out in the morning before the round, she'll have breakfast ready for when I'm done. I can eat, change, and then go to the course. Um so she does all the little things to where I'm able to just focus on golf um, to where I don't have to worry about, you know, what are we going to do for, for food later? Or, um, did we pack enough food on the course? You know, there's a rain delay. Um, do we have enough umbrellas? Do we have enough towels? All this stuff. She's done a phenomenal job of taking care of all of those things, yet also understanding me well enough to know kind of the mood I'm in that day. And with how it's going that round, um, she just gets me. And, and the funny thing is, I don't think she's probably told me on less than one hand, how many, like she, she, I don't think she's definitely told me less than five times through all four Q school Mm -hmm. events, something about golf. Like I don't ask her golf questions. I'll, I'll just explain the shot and tell her what I'm going to do if I'm not comfortable. And, but a lot of the times it's like, all right, 180 back pin. All right. We're just going to hit, you know, stock eight iron. All right. Love it. Um, But sometimes I'm in a tricky spot or a situation and I kind of have to explain it to her and she'll maybe ask a question back. Um, But 
So you, we just keep it really simple. Um, you know, you play this game for just about two, two, just over two decades, which is how long I've been playing it. Like, you're not going to relearn anything new with, I, I know some caddies do a phenomenal job of saving their player shots and doing, doing things. And I know her time on my bag isn't going to be long-term. Like, I don't see her catting for me for yeah. 20 or 30 years on the PGA Tour or anything like that. Um, but, you know, at the time, it was it just worked out well. And, um, I mean, she's starting the season on my bag. I, I think she's definitely earned the right to keep to keep, uh, to keep keep herself on the bag. Um, so, I don't know. We're just looking forward to the season. It's going to be – it's going to be a blast. Um, but, like I said, mainly just – she's just – been been doing a phenomenal job of of taking care of all the things that um that just need to get done that I don't have to worry about to where then I'm stepping up on the first tee and all I have to worry about you know is hitting my target yeah yeah and it's kind of funny you know when people go through struggles in golf it's like they just kind of go back to simplifying it and then they talk about you know what I didn't really even think about golf I was just out there and I just played and all of a sudden they just kind of find this inner Again, I'm just using the word peace, but inner peace about them. And, and all of a sudden, golf becomes simple, and all of a sudden, results start happening. It's like they don't overthink and overtalk and over, you know, once you get your shot, you talk about something else, like, you know, with your mom, and you guys probably have a nice. So just hearing that can, is, is exactly what a lot of people have always reverted back to because they got away from it. And then they have to come kind of pull themselves back into that mental space where they get back into not thinking too much about the golf aspect and just hitting a golf shot and, you know, like they say, shooting the shit kind of a thing after. Yeah, after, so. exactly. And it's easy. It's been easier too. like with her out there with me. It doesn't like final stage of Q school felt like pre-qualifying to a degree. Like you have all the player reps, you have all the mm. manufacturers, you have all the players with names on their bags. You have all that. But when I have my mom on my bag, like yeah. I'm not going to take it too serious. Like I'm out there and I'm going to do the work and do everything I can to play the best to my ability but it's like we're out there playing golf i mean how luck are lucky are we to be here in mm-hmm. this scenario and have this opportunity um where it's like let's just play and not you're not going to hit every shot well you're not going to hit roll every putt exactly how you want to but you know just having her with me there is it's just been phenomenal for me you know kind of going from struggling a little bit in college kind of having some mm-hmm. little bursts of success here and there, but not really having too much consistency in, in my words. Um, you know, just having her there just kind of keeps it simple for me, and I'm just able to go play. What What did you learn about yourself last season? Like, what What did you, you know, when you when you reflect and you sit back, and now, now that the work has been put in, you put yourself in a position to be, you know, a, a, a Corn Fairy Tour member, professional golfer. Like, what did you, what was your biggest takeaway from last season? I would say that my my great golf can compete with anyone in the world, um, but it's not necessarily about playing great golf every time. Yeah. It's like a lot of times in, in school, you know, I would have a poor start or not play well the first round. It's like, oh, I'm going to go shoot 63 tomorrow. Well, you don't put yourself in the position to shoot 63 by, you know, saying you're going to go shoot 63 and fire at every pin you do it slowly through momentum. You know, you hit a good shot on one, maybe make it or don't hit it. You just keep giving yourselves opportunities um, to where a lot of times, like I would think that I can just do like pull more off than, 
what I what I could, um, I would say, and um, I would probably play a little too aggressive to where you know I'm either making a ton of birdies or a ton of bogeys. Um, whereas for me, like if I look at my junior results as a kid, like I always finished within the top ten. You know, junior world, U.S. Kid World Championship, even like AJGA. Like I may not play great, but I was going to finish in the top twenty every single time. Whereas in college, I wanted to win so badly that I would either I would kind of shoot myself out of the tournament, and bit. then yeah, and then once I was out of the tournament, it didn't matter what I shot, so I may as well go and try and shoot sixty three. Yeah. Um, so I think I fell into that a little bit. Um, then I lost a little kind of just belief in myself and in my ability because um, it's easy when you're coming in fiftieth in a podunk college event it's easy to be like man well what like what's going on um so i think just kind of keeping it simple and um like i said my great golf i believe i can compete with anyone in the world but that's not necessarily what it's about all the times it's you know can you hit your wedges to to inside of 15 feet every single time it doesn't matter if you hit it to three feet once here and there yeah it's okay it's okay it's a good golf shot yeah, you want that consistency over time. Um, yeah. So I think just really keeping it as silly as it sounds, just keeping it really, really simple um, has helped me a lot. I think dialing back my driver has helped a little bit. You know, we're not trying to hit it super far anymore. Um, there are times where I might try and put some weight on and, and hit it a little further, but I'm not swinging out of my shoes on it. You know, I'm, if I'm able to hit 10 to 12 fairways around, you know, I'm going to shoot pretty low. Um, just because we're not throwing any shots away. It's more just like I played, I played two days ago and um, I was, I was explaining this exact same thing to to Brady, um, yeah. my teammate at FGCU. Yeah. And I was just telling him one of the only things that's changed is we just don't make many bogeys anymore. I was like, if, cause if we don't make bo- bogeys, we're going to, we're going to make our fair share of birdies. Um, yeah. I've always prided myself on short game being the best part of, of my game. And um, if we're able to, to make, the fewest bogeys we're, we're going to do pretty well. I love that. Um, well, now you're in a position for more people to actually watch you play and see your game and, and, and kind of see you, but becoming a professional also means that you're going to have more obligations, whether it be media and things like that. Is it something that you're looking forward to, you know, even doing this kind of stuff, or is it something that's going to be a little bit of adjustment? I think, I think both for sure. Um, Cause doing this sort of stuff, I, I truly enjoy and um, love meeting you and, and I think this is something that I, I really enjoy doing. Um, however, it's it's got to be set up at the right times. Um, like, I think there's a reason why I texted you the time right away. Yeah, like, yes, I'd sure. love to. Yep. This time works well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just if you're able to be proactive and get out in front of things, um, that's been super helpful. Because um, I, I signed with the, with an agency and we're doing all the, you know, deals and stuff yep. like yep. that. and. But if like, it's been awesome to be able to delegate some things, um, like have an assistant set up flights and hotels and do stuff like that. So as, as it's, it's better when I can get stuff off of my plate. So then I'm able to focus on golf and then do the fun sort of stuff media wise, like, like this. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of full so circle. Think, yeah. Like yeah. So I think your mom being the caddy. So I think it, it's definitely, it has its uh, time and its place. Like I would have never wanted to schedule this, you know, the night before I'm leaving for the first corn fair event or something yeah. like that. But it's all about, I think about being proactive and being on top of it where um, 
you know, I have my sister, she's able to log into my like social media and respond to certain people. Um, so then like when we do well, then sometimes she'll be responding to people. There you go. Yeah. So like little, little things like that. And it's not necessarily like I'm not, she's not going to go in and respond to, you know, some of my best friends are people that I'm, I'm close with, but you know, you get random guy who says congratulations and yeah. all, all he's doing, you're going to say thank you or yep. like, I appreciate your support or something like that. Yep. Um, but if you have 80 of those, that's going to take 30 minutes. Well, boom, there's 30 minutes. Um, yeah, for sure. So just little things like that, just kind of, um, and it, I feel like it's kind of take, it's been a process to set that up and get it to where we want it to be. But I'm confident we've, we're getting it into a good spot where it does free me up to where I'm able to just play. Well, just a couple things that will get you going. I, one, of, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm curious to ask is just kind of what your schedule in 2023 looks like. Do you have that set? I know like being on the Corn Ferry Tour, you know, you want to get to the next step, which is the PGA Tour and, and knowing that, you know, you got to get top 25 and money earned and things like that. And But the other side, like if you got an option to play some PGA Tour events, are you going to do that or are you not? Like there's a couple decisions that you have to make. Um, so just kind of curious where, where your mentality is going into the 2023 season. Yeah, no, it's a good question. I talked with my my agent Terry Riley a couple weeks ago about this, and I was telling him, yeah, it's super nice. Now we're exempt through all of the pre qualifiers and doing the doing the Monday qualifiers for PJ Tour events is only like a hundred bucks. I was like, I'm gonna go do as many Mondays as I can. Okay. He's like, well, well, he goes, let's focus on the Corn Ferry Tour, and that'll be there when you have off days and and or, or time to go do yep, them yep. so he and i have put together a good schedule um we're really just focused on the corn fairy tour to this point um i think when there's a break in the uh when in the corn fairy tour schedule i, I would want to do a couple monday qualifiers um and then i don't i don't want to say anything that i don't know um, yeah. or I'm, I'm not guaranteed but i'm i'm hopeful that i i may be able to get a spot into the 3m this year um that would be a neat opportunity and then any others that were to come along um i would be just ecstatic to, to yeah. play and in, 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 in really any of them i was um, gonna ask you about that the all 3m i'll talk to mike walsh for you a little bit we kind yeah, of did a podcast yeah. with him we did a podcast with him last last year going into the 3m so if he's going to give it to Marty Fish and some tennis players, he's got to give one to Frankie. Yeah, I was. I'm close with Phil Anderson, um, okay. who's the uh, the GM at Hazeltine, and he actually used to be at my home course, North Oaks Golf Club. Yeah. Um, and he, I think he's having a meeting with him like later this week at or at some point, and he was telling me he's like, I'll I'll do the best I can. Um, For sure. So we'll 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 see where it goes. I'm I'm hopeful, but I I would never want to say. You know, I I have a spot here or there when it's when I yep, don't yep. yet. Um, so right now we're just focused on Corn Ferry Tour schedule, and you know I I tend to set high goals for myself. My goal was um, to win all three stages, first, second, and final in in uh, in Q School, and we were able to win both or win the first two, and um, came up a little short at at the final stage. But um, I mean, in a perfect world for me is winning the first three corn fairy events and then you get your PGA tour card for next year. So um, it's pretty lofty goal, but I mean, Mito Pereira won three last year or maybe not last year, I think two years ago. Yep, two years um, ago. So it's proved like guys, you can do it. Um, and I think he did it pretty early too. Um, 
So it's it's definitely doable and really, but in the in the short term, just kind of putting one foot in front of the other, sticking to our process, and just excited for the season to roll around. All right, awesome. Well, let's get you out of here. Just to, before we go, I got a couple of real quick fire away questions, basically one two word answers. All right, just to get you yeah. out a little bit better. All right, let's go. Favorite club in the bag? Potter. Favorite city to visit? Golf or no golf? Um, either one's fine. Like, where do you, where do you, where do you feel good? Like, oh, this is cool. I like this place. I think golf wise, Monterey in California. Yeah, the peninsula up there. Yeah. Yep. Um, no golf. I. That's a good question. No golf. <laughs> it's like I don't travel. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, we just stick with Monterey. We, we can stick with that. I'll go Monterey. I I will say I do like New York City. My sister lives there. Uh, okay. But going there for two to three days is really, really fun. But then I am like, I got to get out. But I also really like Dallas. I like, I like that for non-golf too. And right. golf. But right. I would say golf and then Dallas and New York City. All right. Favorite thing to do outside of golf? So not golf related. Something to do that you enjoy that's not golf? Um, any sport. I like pickleball lately. Pickleball's been fun. Um, or just throwing out football. Legit sport. Pickleball is awesome. All right. Favorite Minnesota Viking yeah. of all time? It's tough. These are tough ones. Uh, a, probably Adrian Peterson, but a uh, honorary mention to Antoine Winfield. Oh, nice. Little D back, little defense. All right. Um, favorite yeah. encore yeah. snack? Macro bars. Favorite golf course logo or brand logo? Either one. Just oh, that's a cool logo or whatever. Cool. You know, like mm. some of those older course logos, or you know, maybe it's just some, yeah. some sort of brand that you like. Or I like. Mm. The old, like the old, old North Oaks Golf Club logo, I think is sweet. Nice, bring it that. back to the roots. Um, I like that. We yeah, can, it's literally just an oak. It's an oak with like a leaf. Um, okay. But other course logo, Friar's Head is sweet. Friar's okay. Head, the logo there is cool. Their good. logo. All right, favorite. Um, favorite I would say probably, yeah, we'll stick with that. That's good. Favorite, favorite, favorite grass to putt on? All of them. <laughs> All of them. I love probably, that. No, probably, stick with that probably one. Bent. Could... Probably, probably, probably bent. I don't know. All right. Favorite golfer growing up? Tiger. Favorite um, music to listen to? Ooh. It really ranges. It really does, I will say. Like, working out, it's more, like, rap, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, nor normal day-to-day, -day, I would say it's, like, Lumineers-type stuff or, mm -hmm. like, alternative, like, um, maybe some uh, Zella Day. I like Zella Day a lot. Um, she had, I was listening to Jusel a lot and it was great. Um, but just kind of like your, I don't know, it ranges all the time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a very mm -hmm. mood altering thing. It's like, depending on the mood. Yeah. Like I'm going, going to the course, I'm not going to be listening to like Kanye West or Young <laughs> Boy or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But... <clears throat> all right. Um, last one. Then we'll get you out of here. Favorite major to watch and maybe hopefully they someday play in. Masters. All right, good to answer. It's got to well, be master. Yeah, that's that. There's some hits different. That hits different. It does. British Open's up there. 
I would say that'd be McClough's second. It's got eight masters. Well, Frankie, it's been an absolute pre- pleasure to get to know you and the opportunity to speak with you, um, and, you know, especially to you know you as a person, as a player. Excited for your professional jer- journey. We'll be cheering you on. Thanks a ton for coming on, and the best of luck this season. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Jeff. Looking forward to, uh, to seeing what you got coming up as well, and um, hope, hope to meet you soon in person as well. For sure. We'll have to, we'll have to maybe run into you at the 3M for sure. Yeah, sounds good. I love that. <laughs> love that. All right. Take care. Maybe today's the day I brigade Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. 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 Break 80.